the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. Uh, my name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots. I'm joined by my co-host Don Dix, the chapter leader of Act for America in Corona, a nationwide grassroots national security organization. And of course, our lead topic of this week must be what happened in Charlottesville and the uh, fallout and what's happened since that time, which in many ways is even more disturbing than the very disturbing events of last Saturday. Absolutely right. And we also need to say that the outset is that, and make it crystal clear so we cannot be misconstrued, that conservatives condemn racism, we condemn Nazis, we condemn KKK. Which, by the way, Nazis and KK, well, KKK were all Democrats, and the Nazis, as Dinesh D'Souza has pointed out in his great new book, The Big Lie, is really an ideology of the left. The Nazis were the National Socialist Party. But no matter how reprehensible some Americans' positions may be, their views may be, the Constitution and the First Amendment guarantee to all Americans the ability to express your views. Well, that's absolutely true. And in point of fact, let's bring that, what you just said, back into the conversation of Charlotte. A notably leftist organization called the ACLU actually went to bat prior to the events of Charlottesville to advocate on behalf of the organizers of that event right, because the for government- their permit to right. to to uh, express and preserve and protect their free speech rights to go protest the removal of this Robert E. Lee monument, which is at the center of all of this. And the ACLU received absolutely no blowback from representing you know, the white supremacist Nazis, uh, white supremacist groups that were uh, organizing this event. So that's kind of an interesting stepping off point that you have a leftist organization who receives absolutely no condemnation for their role in uh, ensuring that this event went forward. Right. And and let's just just make clear, set the stage, is you had these organizers that uh, were on the so-called alt-right. They were probably racist. They may be racist. I don't, and and that doesn't really even matter. They wanted to have a protest rally. They wanted to protest the removal of the statue of General Robert E. Lee from the park in Charlottesville. Now, people may disagree and say it should be removed. It shouldn't be removed. That's a whole separate debate. But they wanted to have a rally to express their side of that question. The city first granted them a permit and then at the last minute said, no, you can't have a permit to, to rally. They wanted to move them to some other park. The ACLU went to federal court and they got an injunction that said they can have a rally as scheduled. 
Right. And of course, now what, what happens is, and we'll be talking more about them, is you have, we had certainly there were legitimate liberal protesters counter-protesting the people who were defending the statue. But you also had these Antifa and Antifa similar related groups that showed up ready for combat. And we've seen them across the country in Berkeley, in San Jose. Uh, We even saw some of that at our march against Sharia law, where some of them showed up trying to uh, cause problems there as well. Showed up and there and the melee ensued when the police pulled back. Right. And uh, Fox News reported that the the reporter there asked, why are you leaving? And the officer that was leaving said, it's too dangerous here. So it got out of the way, and this, we've seen this, you've seen the scenes of the two sides with clubs, with shields, uh, going at each other, pepper spray. Right. And if the, police, if, if the police had gotten in between them and said, you're over here, and you guys are over there, and express yourselves as much as you want to, yell and scream, that's fine, but we're not going to to tolerate violence in our city, there probably would have been a very different result. Now, there's another element of context that we need to uh, inject into the conversation regarding Charlottesville. For most of us, we've never even heard, most people have never heard of Charlottesville. Uh, It happens to be very close to Thomas Jefferson's home, uh, is the home of the University of Virginia, a university that Thomas Jefferson established. Charlottesville mayor is another name that we probably aren't too familiar with prior to the events of last weekend. This guy's name is Mike Siner. I th- that's the way I'm pronouncing it. It could be Signer, S-I-G-N-E-R. Back in January, following the election of President Donald Trump, he declared that Charlottesville was the capital of the resistance. Siner organized a, a rally to announce his plans to resist Donald Trump by providing legal assistance to immigrants directing the Charlottesville Human Rights Commission to address reports of xenophobia or racism. And he also said that he was considering violating federal law by making Charlottesville a sanctuary city for illegal immigrants. So here you've got a city whose mayor has declared they are going to be ground zero for the resistance against Donald Trump. So let's just put file that into the back of our minds as we consider and talk about what's unfolded in Charlottesville. Now, I want to add one other thing to this conversation, Greg, is that with the dust settling around this these tragic events of Charlottesville, there's a pattern that's emerging, and it kind of follows a formula. See if this sounds familiar. A permit or permission is issued for a free speech event involving a controversial topic or speaker. Similar to what happened in Berkeley with Milo Yiannopoulos. Ben Shapiro and Coulter. Right. goes on. And right here at Claremont, we had... Uh, Heather McDonald. Right. The, that permit or permission giver attempts to withdraw said permission right before the events to happen. Now, in the case of Charlottesville, the ACLU stepped up. In other cases, other advocates for those speakers stepped up. That controversial event attracts militant leftist groups like Antifa, BLM, and other social justice warrior-based causes. The militant leftist groups show up to the otherwise peaceful, controversial group's First Amendment event. And then somehow during this event, the police are orchestrated to stand down. Then that militant leftist group who came prepared to cause violence with pepper spray, balloons filled with uh, human waste, uh, rocks, other weapons, two by fours, bats. 
Uh, soda cans with concrete in them. Right. They begin to engage... Aerosol the, cans that are using it as flamethrowers. Exactly right. They begin to engage this controversial group in heated rhetoric so as to inflame the situation. That heated rhetoric gives way to the leftist group making violent incursions into the ranks of the otherwise peaceful participants at the rally event. And then... The media comes in selectively reporting that the controversial group is violent together with all the other talking points that accompany the demonization of this operation. And then finally, the target of the whole operation is to somehow connect that back to Donald Trump by referencing the violence at his campaign events, which we now know additionally was orchestrated by political operatives on the well, left. It also lets the authorities, they couldn't otherwise legally suppress the speech they didn't like. And oh, there's violence. We have to cancel the event. Right. Exactly right. And... Oh, by the way, and just like that, the left stops talking about Russia. <laughs> Where? Russia disappears from the conversation conveniently because, oh, guess what? There really isn't any Russian collusion anyways. Now we've got this brand new bone that we can go chase around the yard. Now, we're going to delve into this further and Donald Trump's comments on it and the reaction to Donald Trump's comments on it by both the mainstream media and even the Republicans. After this, we're from Wholesale Capital, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. Back after this. Hey, Larry Elder here. Now, if you're a homeowner thinking about refinancing or you'd like to be a homeowner and aren't sure where to start, call my friend Ed Hoffman at Wholesale Capital Corporation. Rates are great right now, and from what Ed tells me, there are a lot of great opportunities out there in real estate. You need a lender you can count on, and I can vouch for Ed. He'll deal with you straight and advise you like you're part of the family. Just give Ed a call at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. I know Ed. He's a good guy. He'll talk to you like a friend and won't make you feel like you've just walked into a shark tank. Now is the time to buy or refinance. Give my friend Ed Hoffman a call at Wholesale Capital Corporation. Again, 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or visit him online, wccloans.com. 855-640-2020. 855-640-2020. AM 590, the answer. This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to the Unite Inland Empire radio program, the radio show for the most important political office, that of private citizen. And we're talking about the events of Charlottesville, where lots of private citizens decided to come together and express themselves in what turned out to be very tragic events. Uh, One individual lost their lives as a result of a domestic terrorist that drove his car into the crowd. And two police officers lost their lives as they were surveying the situation from a helicopter that has crashed. And I still don't think we know uh, how that all uh, how that crash happened. But irrespective, um, you know, our thoughts and prayers go out to the families of everybody that were uh, killed and injured during this melee in Charlottesville and other similar events. Certainly. And uh, nothing we said should be construed as saying we in any way condone any of the actions of the man who drove his car in there. He's been charged with murder, and he's entitled to a fair trial before he pronounced sentence, but it would certainly appear that he is guilty of murder and of, and of attempted murder, but uh, you say, well, he's entitled to a fair trial before we pronounce sentence. Donald Trump weighed in on it, 
and gave a, I thought he gave a very good statement condemning hatred and bigotry and violence on Saturday. And the mainstream media jumped on that and they ran with a narrative continuously ever since that, aha, we told you so. This proves Donald Trump and all of his supporters are racist. They really support the Nazis. And he issued another statement saying specifically, yes, yeah, I, uh, yes, I meant them. Then he comes out on Tuesday with a. Let me just say one thing as you're as you're going through what he did. The media went to, was was obviously in a feeding frenzy to get Donald Trump to weigh in on this, as if these and to connect these groups to Donald Trump. And a lot of liberals I've seen on social media are saying, you know, are are, are connecting Donald Trump to the white supremacists, saying that you know these are these are all the people that voted on him. But I defy anybody to look at the video that emerged from Charlottesville and find a single Make America Great hat, make a a Donald Trump T-shirt, or you know how people wear the Donald Trump flag, you know, on their back or carry it. I did not and could not see one. Now, there may be one or two floating through the crowd, but clearly this rally, this event was had nothing to do with Donald Trump. This had everything to do with uh, uniting the right, the, the the far right, these these extremist groups uh, under this name called Unite the Right. And by the way, the organizer now we've found out his 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 history is somewhat uh, Obama supporter, uh, right. uh, Occupy Wall Street. Exactly. So maybe this whole thing was a setup in the first place. Who knows? But I could not find a single, uh, you know, a, a, a contingent of. Donald Trump supporting individuals within that crowd. Go ahead. Right. And then Donald Trump comes out on Tuesday and reports the truth that no one else, that not politician, not media, other than most, at least most of the media, that there was violence on both sides. They, there were people with clubs hitting each other on both sides. They're using weapons on both sides. And that was contrary to the desired narrative at the time. So people, Republicans, Democrats, the media all pounced on Donald Trump for telling the truth. And he also said that not all of the people who showed up to protest removing General Robert E. Lee's statue were racist, white supremacists, Nazis types. And guess who corroborated that? The New York, New York Times. Times. And that lady who tweeted out a tweet saying, you know, that these Antifa people and social justice warrior shock troops, if you will, were armed. They were armed with bats, with, uh, you know, weapons of, uh, of, of civil disobedience destruction. Yeah. You know, not necessarily guns, but the kinds of things that they could anonymously use throughout the... Um, Bats are not really an instrument of of uh, um, what was the what was the term you just used? Social media destruction, uh, mass destruction. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm sorry. So, civil disobedience. Civil mass disobedience. Civil. Uh, civil. You know, I always take it back to my acts of civil disobedience. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so. And Republicans, and this is this this is this is amazing. They, they not only have they attacked Donald Trump, but they have sided with. Antifa, the leftist communist inspired thugs that are across the street, across the country, are attacking people they disagree with. Just in Vermont, they, they stabbed a man because he was not sufficiently vigorous in denouncing the Nazis. Yeah, this, this group, Antifa, has a lot to answer for. And, and, and missing from the media's description of what unfolded in Charlottesville, of course, is Antifa their role and their involvement. And I would posit, Greg, that if Antifa and these social justice warriors had never shown up, 
there would not have been a single death. There would not have been a single problem. There would not have been... It's hard to say because you don't know this guy now we're we're learning suffers from uh, psychological uh, issues, schizophrenia and other uh, psychological issues. Who knows what he might have done irrespective of this. But if 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 these if the left had shown up in lawn chairs with popcorn to simply watch the goons on the other side, this Unite IE group, uh, Unite, uh, sorry, Unite the Right group um, and watch them. I guarantee you there wouldn't have been any violence. I think I think that's likely. But one of the p- very pernicious things that has emerged in this is that the left has been advocating that certain speech that they don't like is the equivalent of violence and justifies using violence in response to what someone has said. This is and exactly none right. other than Senator Marco Rubio joined in this with a tweet that said when an entire movement is built on anger and hatred towards people different than you, it justifies and ultimately leads to violence against them. A Republican senator has now said that depending on what you say, if we don't like, someone else doesn't like it, that can justify using violence against you. And it boils down to what that, what is the definition of hate speech? And there have been countless uh, panelists on MSNBC and CNN that that are saying hate speech is not protected speech. Right. And when, and we have a situation in which if you don't agree with the left, that makes you a racist, fascist, Nazi, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That becomes open season on anyone's. Whatever they decide at the moment is anger and hatred towards people, is racist, is fascist, then that justifies suppressing you. So you, you show up at a rally to protest illegal immigration. Oh, you must be a fascist, racist, communist, uh, not communist, Nazi. So therefore, we can take our clubs to you and pepper spray you and whatever else we want to do to you because, you, because of your opinions. This is a, is a exceedingly dangerous and pernicious idea that not only has it been advanced now previously by these leftists, Antifa types. It's now being advanced through the mainstream. Even Sean Hannity bought into this idea that it, that it was the white supremacists by merely showing up that caused the violence. Yeah. This is Where crazy. does it stop? Where, Where does it stop? And that's the thing. Where does it stop? And it's the same thing with this stupid statue removal. I've got a lot to say about that because I grew up in Baltimore. I grew up in a city that has just removed under cover of darkness four of these statues. And I've got something to say about that. But the bottom line is, where does any of this stop, Greg? Where does the, uh, the, the, the rhetoric about, you know, the First Amendment and hate speech stop? Because, you know, one person's uh, one person's. Uh, firmly held beliefs can be somebody else's hate speech. Um, there is no stopping it. And we're seeing in Canada where this goes. The other thing is the um, statue removal. Where does that stop? Yeah. I mean, if we're going to remove statues, statues of... And Donald Trump made this point brilliantly in his he press conference. Yeah. W- w- was Washington next? What about Lenin? Um, what about some of the other uh, idols of the left that are strewn throughout America? I object to statues of Lenin. I mean, we'll, we'll continue this discussion after this break. I'm just going to conclude this with uh, what John Hayward wrote on Breitbart. Frankly, if you can't win an argument with a handful of Nazis without resorting to violence, you suck at freedom. If you can't <laughs> damn the swastika without also cursing the hammer and sickle, you suck at history. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation and host of the main event, which airs every weekend here on AM 590 The Answer. I'm proud to be a part of the effort to make America great again. 
not just by supporting this station and the conservative movement, but also by helping people achieve the American dream of homeownership. Whether you're looking to achieve that dream and you need financing, or you already own a home and you're considering refinancing your mortgage in order to lower your payment, shorten your term, or pay off high-interest debt, or if you're over 62 and want to look into that great financing tool known as a reverse mortgage, call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, toll-free day or night, 855-640-2020. I'll give you all your options, answer all your questions, and walk you through the process. And don't forget to listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturdays at 9.30 a.m. and 9 o'clock p.m., Sundays at 8 a.m., right here on AM 590, The Answer. Licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate, broker license number 0114747, and California Finance Lenders license number 603K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions, MB number 096199. AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. George Orwell wrote for it was the slogan of the state in the book 1984. War is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength. And I guess we can now add to that speech is violence and truth is racist, fascist and Nazism. You know, it really is important today that people are in deft control of history and facts because the left is doing is working overtime. Uh, to do this. You know, one of the statues that was, we need to get uh, Trevor Loudon on this show to comment about some of this because the statue that was removed by protesters in Durham, North Carolina, uh, was a Confederate, an, an anonymous Confederate soldier statue. The people, the students that removed this are all members of communist and Marxist groups. These people even refer to themselves and their people, the leader, the one that removed it, was arrested. They refer to each other as comrades. They go so far as to be so transparent about their beliefs. And this is exactly what communist and socialist regimes do in order to control thought, is to erase history that gets in the way of their narrative. Right. And in your hometown of Baltimore, they just removed some statues. And under cover of night, so no public debate. You know, should we do this? Should we right. not do this? Yep. And 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 this is beginning to happen. And even Nancy Pelosi is now calling for uh, agreeing with the Congressional Black Caucus, who is calling for the removal of Confederate statues uh, or statues to uh, Confederate war heroes, if you will, uh, from the Capitol building. Now, as you mentioned, I was raised in Baltimore around those statues that were just removed, and I was educated from the earliest age about the fullness of the history that those statues embodied and represented. I knew who those people were, Greg. I knew what they represented, and I knew how deplorable and repugnant the institution of slavery was that those individuals in history were laying their lives down for. But never once did I did it occur to me to transfer any of that racism onto my fellow black citizens in Baltimore. If anything, it made me more empathetic to their history and how it might influence their experience in life today. Now, I also had many black friends and neighbors when I was growing up. They never suffered for those statues. They were taught in their houses to be proud of their culture and their history and never to let that history define their lives, let alone lay claim to any form of victimhood because of it. 
it's not the statues that are the issue. It's what the current generations are being taught. And this outrage being manufactured for other purposes. And that's what is so dangerous today. Well, I agree. George Orwell wrote, he who controls the past controls the future. He who controls the present controls the past. Now, George Orwell intended his book 1984 to be a warning. Unfortunately, the left and elements of the Democrat Party see it as a how-to manual. They do. And they do. And the more that we convict the uh, Democrats of being stupid for their for their approach, the more they seem to be taking that as a challenge rather than, you know, uh, a pa- mm-hmm. taking a pause to reflect on what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It, it's pretty clear we are headed for something, Greg, and I'm not going to use the words on live radio, but we're headed for a place that does not look very good if the current trajectory of this is not somehow abated. Well, um, even the liberal Carl Bernstein acknowledged recently that we are in a cold civil war culturally and politically. Yep. And that's true. And we had Evan say it on the radio talking about his article called He Fights, and he essentially lays out the argument that Donald Trump is the first wartime president of the culture war. And he makes makes very good points in in that article about uh, where we are at uh, right now. And in fact, uh, we didn't have time to play it, uh, but there are lawsuits that are going on right now in California. Uh, Harmeet Dillon was on Tucker Carlson earlier this week, documenting, uh, commenting on the progress of this, where the city of San Jose and the city of Berkeley are being sued for violating the civil rights of Donald Trump supporters who the police allowed to be attacked because of their views. So they, they withheld police protection because they did not. The city authorities did not like the political views of the people who were expressing their First Amendment rights and bringing that right back to the beginning of this half hour. Charlottesville, who declared themselves the epicenter of the resistance, has done just that. We can close this first half hour with another quote of George Orwell. If liberty means anything at all, it means the right to tell people what they do not want to hear. Welcome back to the Unite Inland Empire radio program. Well, Greg, another week, another Islamic radical terror attack, this time in Barcelona, following the fact pattern of what ISIS has been calling for. Essentially, what we're going to name as car jihad, uh, vehicular jihad uh, in Barcelona. At the time of our recording, we have 13 dead, uh, 50 plus injured. One of the uh, individuals is uh, was dead in a police shootout. Another has been captured. And it's just just another sad day that this uh, this expression of Islam uh, has to continue to take lives throughout Europe, uh, throughout the world. Throughout, throughout the world, and you know, so a lot of this stuff happens under the radar. This one is this one's large enough, and because it's in a Western country, it will get it, it will get it'll have to get some media attention. But of course, this latest Islamic terrorist attack has nothing to do with Islam. Well, probably not. Um, <laughs> we're uh, we're still going to be getting the uh, the information. Uh, on this, what we can share with folks is that the website, the religion of dot com tracks uh, monthly uh, jihad attacks. And for the month of July, uh, they around the world have listed one hundred and seventy nine 
uh, jihad attacks, taking the lives of 1,275 people. Let me rephrase that. Taking the lives of 1,275 people, injuring 932 in 37 suicide blasts across 25 different countries. Now, Greg, I've got to believe, you know, this and and by the way, the religionofpeace.com website has been documenting this activity since 9-11. And since 9-11, they now uh, have a total of three of I'm sorry, 31,583 deadly Islamic terror attacks since 9-11. This all from the religion of peace. And I posted not too long ago one of those memes that makes its way around social media uh, that have the, the clever pictures and the sayings. And it th- this one got a lot of reaction. And essentially, it's a picture of the Middle East. And it says, if Islam is the religion of peace, why isn't there peace in the Middle East? And I think we can extend that to the entire world. Why isn't there peace in the entire world? Well, if you look around the world, wherever there is warfare going on, and there may be an exception someplace, but in the uh, there are Muslims on one or both sides of that war. Well, your point of that fighting. Yes, your point is well taken. There's 23 hot spots, what they refer to as hot spots, where there is active warfare that is going on uh two sides and in 22 of those are considered to be uh islam related one side as you put it or the other the sudan is an example uh the sudan has been engaged in a 25 year civil war in, and although they declared peace established a south sudan and a north sudan uh, this this uh, conflict still rages today. Oh, in Nigeria, all, all the way across the borderline between the Islamic portions of Africa and the non-Islamic portions of of, of Africa, the Philippines, Thailand. You know, we even think of Thailand as being, yeah, but th- there is there is Islamic terrorism going on in Thailand, and people were just there are the liberals, the mainstream media, even mainstream Republicans refuse to see the connection between the ideology. And the, and the conduct. And of course, not all Muslims are terrorists. Not all Muslims are going to try to kill you. That's, that, that, goes with, that, that goes without saying. Or, the, or it should be said. But you look at the Quran. When thy Lord was revealing to the angels, I am with you. So confirm the believers. I shall cast into the unbelievers hearts terror. So smite above the necks and smite every finger of them. Quran 8.12. And that's just one of many, many, many Examples. So these, so these, these, the Islamic terrorists, they can look to the Quran and and find the justification for their conduct. Well, that's just it. They're getting it from somewhere, somewhere buried in the uh, three basic uh, bodies of thought of Islam: the Quran, the Hadith, and the Sirahs. Um, is the direction that is being acted on by Islam. And, you know, there are poll after poll after poll after poll indicating that, you know, while certain populations of Muslims around the world might um, not be engaged directly in violent jihad uh, or in cultural jihad, 
um, majorities, significant pluralities of the population believe in Sharia law, in advancing Sharia law in those countries. Pluralities believe that the uh, that although they might not be engaged directly in jihad, they support jihad. Significant numbers. So if it's true that there's roughly 1.8 billion Muslims in the world as of 2015, according to uh, an August 9th Pew Research uh, report, then, you know, when you have 10 or 20 percent of a population uh, engage, you know, actively supporting jihad, 20% of 1.8 billion is 360 million. I think I'm doing my math right on that. that was, that's good for even for common core math, or even 10%. Right. 180 million. That's a, 360, that's the population of the United States that supports this kind of activity. Where do they get that guidance? Where do they get that instruction? Uh, well, we know that they get it in Friday mosque prayers. There's been significant documentation uh, in mosques around the world where imams are directing uh, their and a lot of these attacks occur after prayer on Friday um, in a lot of these countries. You know, so many of these things occur and they don't even reach. You know, we're almost in our in in, in today's world, Greg. We're the media is numb to this. It seems like almost daily we're hearing about a green on blue terror attack in Afghanistan. Almost daily we hear about a uh, terror attack or terror related event um, connected to Boko Haram or um, Al Shabaab in South Africa. So this stuff continues to rage. Where are these people getting their? guidance on this it's more than numb it's more than just they're numb to it it is a deliberate attempt by the media to not report these things whenever possible and when they do when they have to like what happened in, in spain on thursday then it's to ignore and underplay any possible connection to islam and the ideology of the terrorists because you ask them you know they tell you why they're doing it they're proud to tell you why they're doing it. Right. Yeah, well, that's just it. They are inspired by uh, the uh, global caliphate, the, uh, the notion of, of, uh, of accomplishing the completion of the global caliphate. In fact, I'm going to pull this up while we're chatting. Um, it is an often forgot but extremely relevant article that was written in Der Spiegel back in 2005 called The Future of Terrorism, What Al-Qaeda Really Wants. And Al-Qaeda has recently, uh, you know, come back into the uh, the headlines. You know, you've got the son of uh, um, now the leader of Al-Qaeda that was shot. Of, of, of Osama bin Laden. Of Osama bin Laden, who is becoming active now with Al-Qaeda. They're getting back into the business, if you will, of jihad. Um, this article, uh, back in 2005, is the result of a uh, journalist, uh, Faoud Hassin, who ended up, he's a Jordanian journalist, who was jailed, actually, ended up being jailed with uh, a high-level Al-Qaeda operative, he successfully negotiated for this individual uh, to be released from solitary confinement, uh, Abu Mosab al-Zarqawi, hmm, sounds familiar to me, mm -hmm. who laid out in 2005 the 
multi-decade strategy, seven-phase strategy uh, of al-Qaeda, which uh, in 2016, the sixth phase, um, he documents that from 2016 onward, there will be a period of total confrontation. As soon as the caliphate has been declared, uh, which it has been, right? That's what the purpose of ISIS was to do. The Islamic army will instigate the fight between the believers and the non-believers, which has so often been predicted by Osama bin Laden. Here we are beyond Osama bin Laden's death. And this article that was written back in 2005 in a jail cell with a leader of the Islamic Jihad movement. And he's documenting exactly what's unfolding. Right. And it's not just... The terrorism is not just the violent aspect of the jihad. You go, you go all the way back to the founder of the of the Muslim Brotherhood, Hassan Albana. Albana. He says that it is in the nature of Islam to dominate, not to be dominated, to impose its law on all nations and to extend its power to the entire planet. It's uh, pretty clear, right? People, the Muslim Brotherhood motto. People during during the Cold War. People on the left, liberals, did not want to look and see what the reality of what the Soviets' intentions were. Prior to World War II, people did not want to understand what Adolf Hitler's intentions were. He had had written them. He said them. You just had to read and listen to what he was saying and writing to understand what his intentions were because they didn't want to see it. And you see the same thing now with Islam and the Islamists. They 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 tell us what their intentions are. Right. And people don't want to believe it. Either they're complicit, and some on the left are, or it's just too bad. Because if, if you believe it, then you know, what do we do about it? So it's easier to ignore it and not believe it. The amazing thing about all this is that while you know leftists in the media and Islamic uh, and uh, apologists for Islam bend over backwards in order to deflect from the variety of Islamic uh, groups dedicated to jihad. There's one thing that all of these groups have in common, and that is the jihad. The, you know, Al Shabab, um, Boko Haram, Al Qaeda, ISIS. Um, you know, you can go through the laundry list of all of these organizations, and they all are in sync with every aspect of the jihad. Now, if they were misinterpreting the Islamic texts, what are the odds that they would all misinterpret the Islamic texts in exactly and precisely the same way? And where where are all the imams saying, no, 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 you got this wrong? Right. The, the motto of the Muslim Brotherhood, the Quran is our law and jihad is our way. Pretty darn clear. And every little shred of documentation that comes out of the Muslim Brotherhood is is completely it's like you know what a hologram is right three-dimensional uh, a, a picture that flat in two dimensions it appears to be in three right you know what happens if you break a hologram into multiple shards or pieces I haven't tried that experiment each one of those pieces is identical to the master copy in other words within that hologram you have uh, in the pieces of that hologram, the entire picture of the larger 
piece that was that was broken apart. That's exactly what uh, we have within within Islam. Now, God bless the, you know, half billion or three quarters of a billion Muslims around the world that don't engage in this kind of jihad. I know and am friends with Muslims who uh, don't subscribe to this, but we still have a problem. Sure. They still have a problem. Not 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 all Russians were communists and dedicated to spreading communism not around all, the world. Not, not all, all Germans not, not were all, Nazis. Not all Germans were Nazis dedicated to uh, to killing Jews and others and launching wars of aggression. Yeah, not all. That, that can apply to a lot of people, but enough are dedicated to those causes to create a great threat. All right. We need to take a break here. And Our thoughts to- and prayers go out to all the victims, families, and the injured in Barcelona and every... Uh, victim of terror attacks, including Charlottesville, which was clearly a terror attack as well. Um, our hearts and our thoughts and prayers go out to all of those victims uh, here on the Unite IU Radio Show. We hear from uh, All Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of wreck and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All Star Collision. 951 279 9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951 279 9161. AM 590, the answer. This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock on AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, where, like Will Rogers, we every day thank God that we do not get all the government we pay for. Oh, my gosh. If we did that, well, you know, in California, it's pretty bad. When you look back over the legislative history of just the last uh, year or so that uh, you've, we've had the supermajority in uh, the, the progressive supermajority. I don't even want to call them Democrats anymore. The progressive supermajority. I think we've had some pretty egregious things. Uh, we have. And I just I, I always take issue when anyone uses the word progressive to refer to the left because there is nothing right. Progressive. It's regressive about leftism it is yep. regressive to tyranny, regressive to socialism, regressive to less prosperity. It's regressive all the way across the board. So they can call themselves whatever they want to. But we shouldn't buy into it. One of the things the regressive left did was they tried to uh, get in the way, interfere, uh, and collude. We actually have evidence now of collusion between the regressive left and the uh, uh, FPPC. We had John Kupal on the Jen and Don show uh, from the, uh, uh, earlier this week from the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Initiative. But the big news regarding the uh, cap-and-trade is what we're yeah. alluding but, to. But, but let's go to cap-and-trade, but let's, let's, before we go to that, there was a bit of good news. Right. Is, is the Democrats had passed a law to try to protect J- Senator Josh Newman, who's being who's subject to recall. He's, he won in a marginal district, and he voted for the uh, Democrat gas tax increase. 
So there were, the Democrats passed a, a, a law that said the recall isn't going to happen until sometime in 2018. But a California court decided to uphold the law, uphold the constitutional right of recall, and has put that law on hold. So right now it appears that that recall election is going to happen in November. November. Yes. I should. Yeah, exactly. Great news for the Republican effort to or conservative effort, because now we I don't even know if we can refer to Republicans as conservatives anymore after this cap and trade debacle. But the uh, judge has set aside that Senate bill that would have uh, put off or postponed and uh, gotten in the way of the recall, as you say, in November. There was another element, though, that unfolded, and that was collu- potential collusion between the FPPC and the Fair Political Practices Commission that's supposed to regulate and keep politics clean in California. Exactly. They're sure doing, they're sure doing a good job, aren't they? Right. And the, um, the Democrats, because the elected Democrats, because they actually were working to set aside restrictions that prohibit uh, elected legislators from contributing campaign money to other elected legislators. There's a limit to how much they can contribute. They were looking at having that limit set aside so as to be able to give Josh Newman a large war chest of money to defend that seat against the recall. Sure. It's just another example of Democrats and their lack of respect for the law. It's is When the law is on their side, it's, it's a hammer to hit their opponents with. But when the law is not what they want, it can be changed, ignored, modified, whatever. Whether it's, in, whether it's the Senate bill they passed to try to change the recall rules or some backdoor, backroom dealing between the, with the Fair Political Practices Commission, whatever it is, change the rules however they need to be to help advance the Democrat political cause at the moment. Exactly right. So that's some good news regarding the uh, there's actually look they're actually looking into uh, filing action against this uh, member of the FPPC uh, commission. Uh, so both of those on the both those fronts, there's some good news. There's also uh, an update that we have on the NoCAGasTax.com uh, effort to gather signatures to repeal Jerry Brown's gas tax. We'll cover that when we come back from the break. After this word from All-Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of wreck and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to the Unite Inland Empire radio program. We have an assemblyman out of Huntington Beach, Travis Allen, who has established an effort to recall Jerry Brown's gas tax, otherwise known as SB1. Uh, If you want more information about it, please, we encourage you to go to the NoCAGasTax.com website. We ask you to sign up both as a volunteer and as a person who will make a donation, and in return, you will get uh, initiative uh, signature pages as soon as it's ready. And the as soon as it's ready part is what we've got an update on because the uh, Travis Allen took the attorney general to court 
sued him again about the language and the title. The biased title and the biased description of it. Exactly. And that court date has now been set for September the 15th. Now, Greg, you're an attorney and you're probably going to be better at explaining what the possible outcomes of that court date could be. But one thing's for sure, it's not a date certain that no, the signature there could, there could be more here. There could, there could be more hearings. There could be, and, and even if there's just one hearing, the judge may take the matter what they call under submission and think about it, and then later issue a written ruling. And then once there's a, once there is a ruling on the, at, at the at the trial court level, then whoever doesn't like the result will likely seek review in the court of appeals. So that could delay the whole process even more. And this is really important because if there's any changes in the in what the attorney general did, then that resets the clock for gathering signatures. If there are no changes, then the clock started back in July. That's what we hear from uh, the Travis Allen campaign. And it's our hope that regardless of whether there are or aren't changes, that they will um, give a reprieve to the signature gathering timetable, no matter what the outcome from that is. So because I can't, you know, I can't believe the court in good conscience would leave us with the uh, diminished window. We have 150 days to gather signatures in a normal scenario. If they, you know, go with this September 15th or date later, uh, you're looking at trimming two months out of that. And I just can't believe they would do that. Yep. I've not researched the law, but that's what Travis Allen said. That's what we've been told. That's that's what he said is the the rule. But in the meantime, what we're encouraging everybody to do is go out and volunteer because the more time that we have, um, the more uh, people can get signed up as volunteers. And those people will then get looped into the process uh, for the rollout of gathering signatures here in the Inland Empire. And honestly, Greg, I think given that the Inland Empire is a commuter, largely a working, uh, a middle-class, working, commuting community, I I honestly don't see why we can't set 100,000 signatures as the bar for what we can accomplish out here in the Inland Empire. Well, there's a poll that showed that the gas tax was uh, unpopular by 58 to 35%. So it does present a enormous opportunity. We don't have time to delve into it today. But the Republicans, of course, being Republicans, shot themselves in the foot on this. Instead of having this great issue, they then turn around and, and a number of them supported the cap and trade gas tax increase and increase the prices of all energy, in fact, right. which then undercuts their argument. Plus, then they let, because they voted for it, a bunch of Democrats who were in marginal districts were able to either abstain or vote no on it to try to protect themselves and let the Republicans take the blame for raising gas taxes up to uh, 70 cents or more a gallon under the cap-and-trade tax. Right. And all across the state, we have Republican central committees that have uh, um, written letters and voted to uh, request Chad Mays to step down as the minority leader um, of the... uh, Assembly, so you know the the Riverside Republican GOP. Um, you know we do the radio show. We recorded on Thursday, Thursday evening. The Republican uh, GOP is having their meeting, and I anticipate the same thing happening there. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Mays was invited to show up, and we'll see if he does on on Thursday night. That's all the time we have for this week on Unite IE Radio. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.